Hello, and welcome to the Brandon and Daryl Experience, or BDE for short. I'm Daryl. And I'm Brandon. And today we're talking about the one, the only, Dune. <gasps> dun dun dun. <laughs> um, so yes, you may be thinking, oh wow, this episode's a little delayed. But honestly, it's perfectly fine because we really wanted to take some time to really get our thoughts together on this um event <laughs> basically really um so. marinate in in our uh, our thoughts exactly exactly um and so yeah so to start uh brand do you want to give like uh just a short like little synopsis thing and then we can get it get into our thoughts we're gonna we're gonna start with no spoilers and then uh we'll let you know when we start to get into spoilers later but uh brand you can take take it away all right. Um, let's put it this way: there's a giant sand planet. This giant sand planet uh, has some spice, as in literally spice. That's what it's called. Um, that people use for both hallucinogenic drugs, but also interstellar space travel because that makes sense. Um, and so now there's a basically a war uh, being brought upon at certain different houses or groups of people who want this spice and want to be the best in the galaxy. Um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> That's it. That overall synopsis of the movie. You don't need to go anymore. It's all good. <laughs> so you can move. probably get an idea <laughs> um, <laughs> of Brandon's thoughts here. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I'll just say, Brandon, what were your thoughts on the film? All right. As I've been, these past few days have been quite trying for me, Daryl. I've I've tried so hard to find. <laughs> The words, the passion, and uh, the dexterity around how I can even find a, a way to like this movie <laughs> in terms of a subjective matter. Objectively, I know I'm in the wrong. I'm in the minority. I know this. I listen to reviews. I've seen the Rotten Tomato scores. I'm in the minority. I'm just not that big of a fan of this movie. Um, a technical standpoint, great. It's, you know, it's, it's well shot. Uh good lighting, great soundtrack from Hans Zimmer. Uh, it can, I mean, there's sometimes it gets a little overdone and repetitive. He has his wah-wah, you, you know, his, <laughs> his, his, his 2010 era's wah-wah, you know, like that overthink. Like, he, he brings that in a little bit, but um, still good score, good, good uh, from Hans Zimmer. But other than that, I've struggled to find ways to like this movie. And there, like, there's times where I like, start reflecting back on the movie and i'm just like yeah that's that's good right and then i think about more i'm just like no i did no i don't and i don't know what it, like actually no i know a lot about what i don't like about this movie um and i'll just run through it very briefly so daryl you can get to your thoughts but for me it felt as empty as the desert planet that it was being shot on um in terms of plot and um story and how it kind of brought everything to, and how it, well, it didn't bring everything together. That's how it felt empty to me. And the actors, they didn't, I mean, the acting was, it was, yeah, you could say it was something. Um, it wasn't, I won't say it's bad. It definitely wasn't bad acting, but Timothy, Timothy Chalamet, um, kind of a brick wall for me. Maybe that's what he's going for. Maybe that's what Denis wanted. Uh, I didn't really find it all that engaging. I would have to, have to see as weird as it but Jason Momoa was the star for me. Um, and Oscar Isaac, he was like a, a close second. But other than that, um, 
yeah, nothing really stellar in that department either. And it just, yeah, there's just a lot of things lacking for me to say that this was epic and like the um the movie of the year for me, uh, as opposed to you, Daryl. I'll, I'll leave it at that before we get in any further. You do not know how much it hurts my heart to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, so if you couldn't tell by that sentiment, I loved this movie. I, I thought that it was not just uh, a technical achievement on almost every level. I actually found it extremely compelling. Um, I can definitely agree that like there are times in which the film can be kind of slow, but I thought that the story was interesting enough that I really wanted to know where it was going. And I think from beginning to end, and uh, we forgot to mention that this is Dune part one. So this isn't really the complete story, but I, I found myself engaged in what was going on. And I thought the pure spectacle of it was out of this world, literally. Um, we had gotten the chance to see it in IMAX. Uh, we actually saw it together with a few other friends. And I, I just, I think that the, the experience really helped the film in a lot of ways. I think specifically the sound design is impeccable. It's some of the best sound design I think I've heard in a movie and I don't even know how long. I thought that the uh, the performances across the board I thought were really good, uh, if not great. I think that what, Tim what Timothee is doing in this film I think is, it can definitely be off-putting, but it's very broody, it's very internal. And I, I did find it interesting, especially when you start looking at scenes like the Gom Jubar scene, um, which uh, you see in the trailer, the, the Box of Pain. And his performance in that scene, as well as other scenes throughout the film, is is really interesting. And I, I really wanted to, I guess, know more about not just him, but other characters. If I had to say my favorite performance of anybody in this film, it would probably be Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica. I think that her and Jason Momoa, to a certain extent, are not so much playing, like, broody internal characters, but are more expressive. Um, and that really helped me to connect with their characters overall. Um, but I will say Rebecca Ferguson, for me, uh, stole the show in a lot of different scenes. Um, I think that Denis Villeneuve is one of my favorite directors working today. I think he's one of the best filmmakers working today. And I think, once again, I think he hit it out of the park. Uh, is it my favorite film of his? No. Um, but I do definitely think that this is a film um, that is, one, worth seeing, and two, just amazing from beginning to end. Absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think that we, we have really, we have two very, very different viewpoints on this film and I guess it's, it's, it's hard to delve into in like a non-spoiler section, but just so we can kind of, I guess, not get too much into plot details. I just find it very interesting how, because I can understand being emotionally disconnected from this film. But uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Brandon. I don't really fully get how you watched it and got nothing from it. <laughs> it's just... So I, I'll be honest. I feel... I went ahead and fall asleep. But I was in and out of a state of unconsciousness. <laughs> oh, my God. For at least the first 20 minutes. Now, whether oh or not that God. has something to say about the movie, or maybe like it was at 9.30 at night, uh, I'm an old man, apparently, and I can't stay up anymore. But after the first 20 minutes, I was fully invested in not. Well, I should say that I was not fully invested in the movie because pacing was very slow <laughs> for me, at least. And like um, our, our one friend was saying that, oh, you should watch other movies of Denis, like Blade Runner 2048. 
um, to get Nine, like a twenty forty nine twenty forty whatever <laughs> to get a feel for slow paced movie. I'm just, sir, I've watched slow paced movies before. That's not the problem. This movie is a two and a half hour runtime. It feels like it's a four hour movie. Um, and there's nothing to latch onto for me. Like the character, there's just nothing in terms of like character development. I would say there, there really isn't any. Like for Timothy Chalamet's character Paul, he just he's just kind of there for me. He just he goes and like he just kind of naturally progresses just because the story pushes him that way, but not in the sense of like he has to grow kind of thing. It's more like oh, this is just kind of the next logical step for his character to go, and like it just feels like that for most of the movie and for most of the characters. If they even have that moment, let's say even for, for me, most of the characters don't even have a moment to really shine or to really grow. Like they have certain scenes that we'll get into in the spoiler section that they, they attempt to, they attempt to give these characters like a highlighted moment and to be like, this is what this character represents. This is what they stand for. This is their, basically the epitome of what, like what their characterization is. And I see what they're doing. It just never, I never felt it. There's nothing that, in this movie particularly that I could say that I felt and I felt for these characters and that I felt like for the world that they're in and like that's not to discredit the world building either. Like the source material has a lot to build off of. And I understand that. I know Dune is a thick book and it has a lot of, like that. The author had in there that obviously the knee can't um, cover in a two and a half hour movie. I understand that. And I haven't read the book though either, but I understand from people who have read the book, it'd be like, Oh, like, you know, there's a lot source material to like draw from but it just felt like almost like a blank world it just felt yeah like it, it, it was the spectacle in the sense of it all for me it just felt like you blew your money on the visuals but then you didn't really hone in on the story and the progression and how you should feel for these characters there was never a why i think that's it for me daryl is that there was never a why like why or is this happening? Why is that happening? Why is the character doing this? Why should I be driven to be compelled to feel this way? Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And why? And there's more that I can keep going, but I'd rather not. I'd rather hear your opinion as to how it made you feel, as to how it, you got to that conclusion that this is, as you, in your own words, uh, at, a, at a earlier point in time when we were talking about Dune, because we've been talking about this for the past, yep. like, yep four days since it's been out um why you declared it a quote-unquote masterpiece which i highly disagree so i think that like i will agree with you that there is a certain amount of like i said there isn't really an emotional arc to grab onto in this film again a lot of that for me comes down to the fact that this is part one but i think that what i really appreciate about it is that this didn't feel to me like a film made by a studio committee, a la Marvel movies, a la DC movies, a la basically any other big budget film that comes out um, starring the next big star. This movie felt like um, a film made by a filmmaker. It, it, it felt to me like something that was singular in its vision. And I think that we don't get that at all. Um, the only person who works in Hollywood today who can get a $200 million budget and um, basically be able to get that budget with no questions asked is Christopher Nolan. And I think that in this particular instance, Denis is showing that he is 
just as good, if not better, than than Christopher Nolan, I, I would argue. I, I think that it, this film, what really grabbed me was the fact that I felt transported into this world. And so the questions of why is this happening, why is that happening, I, I didn't have those questions because... For one, I felt like the story explained enough for me to not wonder why certain things are happening the way they're happening. But two, I felt like like I was being brought on a journey in another place. Like I didn't just feel like I was watching a movie. I felt like I was I was just in there with them. Um the the scale and the scope of the film is just so well, for lack of a better term, epic. Um but it still managed to feel feel introspective and it still managed to feel very like it's essentially what if you give a 200 million dollar budget to an art house filmmaker and i think that it, it it comes together so well um in a film that could have easily just been um well one nearly unwatchable um but two just this like balls to the wall like action epic instead it it, it takes its time to really develop what's going on in the story and the world building I think is very strong. And granted again, the movie is slow and I definitely agree that like, that like when you really think about what happens in this film, not that much happened and the movie's two and a half hours, <laughs> but I do feel as though the stuff that did happen was so compelling that I was willing to extend that level of, of just, I was able to basically just let myself go and be like, okay, Denis, I trust you. Just take me on this journey and show me what it is that you want to show me. Like, just let just let it happen. And I think that he did something really, really fascinating here. And I, I, I found myself really engaged. And to the point in which, I never say this about really movies ever, to the point in which I would have been so down for this movie to be three, maybe three and a half hours. I, I wanted more. And that's what makes me so excited for part two as well, is that like I just wanted more of what he was giving. Um, and yeah, that that's kind of where I was with the film. And that's why like by the end of it, the fact that I was so pumped for more Dune left me thinking this was a fantastic film. And I'm not usually one for franchises. I'm not usually one for big epic franchises specifically. I'm just going to be upfront. I'm not a fan of Lord of the Rings. I'm not a fan of Star Wars. I'm not a, well... Marvel, it's like hit or miss. And uh, the only franchise I ever liked was Harry Potter, but Fantastic Beasts do not get me started. <laughs> Those movies are trash. So, like, I, I have a hard time getting invested in certain franchises, but this, to me, felt like something that I am 100% in for. And that's something that almost never happens for me. And so that's where I think we can agree on one part, is that I, th I think a party wanted it to be longer, but also shorter. So in the sense that I'm saying is that there's a lot of not things not happening that could have been cut from the movie. Um, and we, again, I'm going to go hard into that in the spoiler part of the second of this. Um, but there's a lot of portions where I feel like the movie could have been cut down and then more content be added because there definitely, there's definitely room for that. Um, in that sense of scope that you were talking about, Daryl, like I just never, like, I saw it. Like, yes, I see the scope. I see what it's, it is and what it, it's not trying to be because it is what it accomplishes to be. It is a massive scope. It's a massive scale movie, but that's it. It just feels like you're in a big pond or you're just, you're in the ocean and you're just one droplet in the water. Like it just feels kind of empty at the end of it. Like that's what it felt like to me at least. 
like, and I'm just going along on wave. I'm on it for the ride. That's pretty much it. And I, I wanted to be out of movie. Like, I just wanted to be, I wanted it to be over. I did not feel like th- that it should keep going, especially the way that it was going. Um, yeah, there's just a, a lot that is just missing for me. Yeah, just I, I just disagree, and like we'll we'll go more into detail in the spoiler section, um, which honestly we might get to because like. I don't really know what, what much else I can really say. Like I, I, yeah, we, I just was so grabbed, so moved by what I was seeing. So, yeah, yeah. So I guess with that being said, we're just going to stream the spoilers. And, yeah, I mean, uh, just to, um, and real quick, like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But I was just going to say, like, why don't we just like give like a quick score, just for anyone who decides like they want to they want to pause and then continue later or something if they haven't seen oh, the yeah. movie yet. In case they were, they're like, hmm, we'll see who scores more accurate. Um, exactly. So, what what would you give this? Let's say out of ten. That usually is easier than a five scale. Reactionary. I want to give it like a four because that's that's how uninterested that's how uninterested I was in the movie, and how I that's how I honestly feel about the movie. <laughs> I don't like oh it. Um, in terms of like objectivity. It's. I can't read an objectivity because I'm too biased on my my, my feelings. Yeah, just just it, just make it. It's, it's all. It's 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 you. This you know what? Story. We'll give it a five. It passes for just attempting <laughs> to, attempting to be a movie. It gets a five. <laughs> I'm dead. Okay. All right. All right. Five out of ten. Oh, that hurts. Okay. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. No. I I would give it an eight. I think that, like, like I said, it, it's definitely long. It does have a slower pace, but I was, I was into it. All right, I let's get into the meat, meat and potatoes of this podcast, where we're gonna okay, here we, we're gonna say everything we, we don't like about this movie. Well, what I don't like. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. Where to begin? <laughs> okay. So um, wait, I have something. Know, I have something. Oh, to sorry. Say. Go ahead. I, I forgot I wanted to say this, but now they're in this portion. Using Jessica was the strongest actor, the strong strongest character in this movie. One hundred percent. No, 100%. she just kept sobbing the whole time, and she didn't but, do anything. But, she was just think, there. Rebecca Ferguson, but, do better. <laughs> no, why are you going for it? It's actually probably not her no. fault. It's, it's it's actually Denise. Denise, do better. <laughs> okay. I thought that Lady Jessica, Rebecca Ferguson's character, was one of the best characters because I found that, again, she is the only actor, and you could argue Jason Momoa is also doing this, but I mean, that's a little different. I mean, I don't really think Jason Momoa is the best actor dramatically, but that's a whole other, just, a whole other discussion that we can probably get into later. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, what I liked about her, about her performance is that everyone's basically playing it very internal, very subdued. Um, Timothy Chalamet's character is very, uh, Paul Atreides, it is very introspective and very like brooding and angsty. And I liked that Rebecca Ferguson was like a nice juxtaposition between him and Leto played by Oscar Isaac, where she played it more external. So like, you're saying like a lot of times she'll be crying and sobbing one. You're not talking about why she's crying and sobbing. That's all that, 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 that is a little pretty important. Bitch. <laughs> but two, but two, I found that, that, that she really acted as like kind of an emotional 
pull in the sense that like that like seeing the emotion on her and also seeing like the way in which she tries to work through her emotion considering like what she is a part of so she is so long story short she's basically like a space witch uh she is a someone who is a part of a coven of witches uh named like the something of the bene jesuit uh, so and she, she's essentially a Jedi. No. <laughs> she, she uses Jedi no, mind tricks. No, basically what Ben no. Kenobi does in the first well, movie, okay. well, New Hope when he goes like, these are not the droids you're looking for. Basically that's her power. She basically her and Paul can do basically like a, a speaking yes, thing because, where they're just like, no! And then people are like, okay, we'll listen to you. Yes, and essentially her role is that she so she is the concubine of Leto, which is important because in the film, there's a point in which he says, "I should have married. I should have just married you." And we and all of us were like, "Wait, what?" <gasps> that was something we just didn't pick up on. Uh, they did mention it, but just something that just kind of slipped by. But uh, regardless, so basically, Lady Jessica, her whole thing is that she is essentially teaching Paul. Um, Paul's kind of caught between two worlds. He is both trying to learn how to be the the successor to Duke Leto, uh, who is the head of House of Treaties, but he's also um someone who has inherited the power of the Bene Jesuit uh from Lady Jessica. And the the thing about it is that Lady Jessica apparently she was only supposed to bear uh girls, like she she was only supposed to have uh female children. Um and that just didn't happen. And it was all part of a prophecy. Um and so with her character, what I find really interesting is that she already feels isolated in the sense that she is essentially looked down upon by the head of the Bene Jesuits, correct? But then also what I really liked about her is that she is really trying to balance her allegiances between the, the two worlds. Because essentially one thing that, that they kind of allude to is the fact that her allegiances to her family and her allegiances to the Bene Jesuit are two separate allegiances and essentially one does not over overlap with the other or rather the Betty Jesuit comes uh, comes above all else and even though she doesn't want it to be the case she kind of has to it, it has to be the case um and so I think that that best comes across in the scene where well one the start of the Gomjubar scene which is one of my favorite scenes in the film but two uh when her and Oscar Isaac are discussing uh so Oscar Isaac, there was an assassination attempt that was done against Paul at some point. And Oscar Isaac is feeling like doubts about everything that's going on on the planet Arrakis. Um, Lady Jessica and, and Leto are having this discussion. And at one point he turns to her and says, uh, will you protect our son or will you protect Paul? And she says, with my life. But then he says, I'm not talking to you as his mother. I'm talking to you as a Bene Jesuit. And that to me showed like, okay, so she has these complicated allegiances. And so her character is really interesting because in a sense, how is she supposed to balance the two without completely fucking up one or the other? And I found that really, really compelling. Um, I think it's really interesting watching the way in which she is dealing with Paul's, I guess, character arc because the for example the last scene of the movie when she is like we need to get off world to caladan like we need to get get out of here and then paul turns around and is like no i want to stay here on arrakis i'm going to be here with the freeman like we're not going anywhere my 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 path is on arrakis i'm not going anywhere and that to me was one a big piece of his character development but two 
was a moment in which she is now becoming less able to control what Paul does. And now essentially she has to kind of deal with the idea of like, well, now her son's kind of growing up. And I, and I, I found her character really interesting in, in, in those little dynamics. Um, also, I think that, again, her character is easily the most emotional. So I kind of latched onto that as well. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the reason why I would say she's the best character for me. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, you have a lot. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> as you were saying all this, it just put me in a spiral of things I need to just get off my head. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to go down a list. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. It, um, and I just, I just need to go point by point. And I'm not going to like, okay. we can have conversation. You can pick and choose like from a conversation after I'm done the list. Okay. This is like basically most of the things I have problem with this movie. Besides the, the besides the acting choices. Um, so first of all, you know how I brought in, there's like this movie never answers questions or like, it never like really expands upon the world that we're in or it feels pretty empty it, because it never gives why like it never like poses the questions or gives answers as to these whys that we have um a few of these whys why is atreides such a threat to the emperor <laughs> never explain why should well we ah, let me get down my list well let me get down my list <laughs> Okay. All right. Why, why should we care about these characters? Never explained to be perfectly honest. Um, there's a few, even a few characters that like, I like, this is another thing. Dune is not friendly to people who've never like interacted with the Dune like story. And Daryl, yes, I know you've never interacted with Dune before, but you had a little inkling. You had some, because a friend also gave you some background, a little bit of background, um, but not, no, not a lot. That background was a lot. He gave me one piece of background and it had nothing to do with the plot. Okay, but anywho. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know do you remember the doctor? The doctor the diamond on head? We never yes. got an explanation as to why that was there. Um This is what I found out. Apparently it means that um he's like of the utmost respected like doctor that can be appointed. Even like it means like like the emperor would trust him with his life. Like that's how yes. like morally and ethically hell he has had, and that's such a big thing that we don't know in the freaking movie because he basically helped with the coup on Atreides. We just think, mm -hmm. oh, he's just a bad doctor. You know, he'd do anything for his wife. But no, it means so much more because it means basically that this guy is has like the the highest like. You know, you know how like big that is. That basically means like, if uh, if like you or I were were entrusted, if we were doctors, mm -hmm. that we can perform like open heart surgery or like even recommend a, like a like an Advil to like any of the world leaders in the in the in the world, whether that be U.S., mm -hmm. Canada, China, whoever. Like that. That's how big it is, and like we don't know that. And it's simple as a diamond on his head. And like, sure. We probably can't. I don't know how they would explain that. I understand. They probably, I don't know how they would explain it in a two and a half hour movie, but still, you don't get that. And that's just one part. Yeah. Huh. So, we have that done. There's still more on my list. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Powers. They want power because apparently the doctor just touches people and he just has a power just to know, like, oh, yeah, you, mm -hmm. you, you, you kind of goofed inside. 
or there's um the one other i don't remember the actor's name but basically he's the guy that rolls his eye this head in the back of his head or eyes in the, the back the head of his head the she, like head of security basically yeah and he just like knows like oh they're approaching it's like, what and then like so that's not even explained either they just have there's just certain people who have powers uh there's too many vi- visions in this movie you know they could have had like one or two visions like in the freaking movie and left it at that freaking zendaya is not in this movie if you came here to watch zendaya she's not in this movie unless you're here for like 15 the last 15 minutes and like sure that's not a big portion like that i don't care that he's not in the movie but if you're gonna market the movie like that uh, paul the whiny little bitch and he doesn't change his character doesn't change you I, uh, what else do i have yeah. Also, why why does Paul want to go to the planet so badly when he has these visions? He's like, he's like, I want to go to the planet, and that's never explained. Like, why do you want to go so bad? Is it just for a girl? Is it is that it? There's just there's a lot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it there. That's a few of my problems with the movie is that there's just a lot of whys and no answers, and there's a lot of things that are like just there in the movie that present itself that you just wouldn't know unless you had a background in Dune. I'm done. <laughs> For now. Okay. All right. So there's a lot to unpack there um, because I feel like I have at least my take on those various things uh, from the movie specifically. Um, I do know some of the context from the book, mainly because like after we saw the movie, like I, long story short, I couldn't stop thinking about the movie. So I would listen to like podcasts and things like that. And some people had read the book and would, and would basically get into like small little details here and there. But Here's my thing. Okay, so I guess I'll start with the. What was your first point? It was about. Um, it was about why why is it, why, why is the a threat why, to the like, emperor? It, okay, that's 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 it. So, the way I see it, this is kind of like a Game of Thrones setup. That was kind of the way that I kind of took took all this for face value. Oh, that's another problem. That that you're banking on. This is just the last thing. They're banking on this second part of the movie that should not be like you don't go into a movie going experience just being like oh well the second one's gonna wrap everything up for us especially again yeah, when you yes market it as no, no 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 when you market it as a standalone film i sh- shouldn't have to have the expectations that the movie gets better with the sequel at least at least to me like like the the movie by itself should be its own movie and the fact that it can like stand alone and strong and not have to heavily rely on the second part of the movie like, you can do that with book. You can do that with the TV sh- series, like Game of Thrones, like you're saying. Because, like, episode one, I wasn't that invested in Game of Thrones episode one. But I knew it could get better if I kept watching. And that's expected, because it's a TV series, not a fucking movie. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. Okay, so I want to unpack that as well. But we'll get there when we get there. So, um... So I took this as like a Game of Thrones setup. And granted, again, two and a half hours. So so I'm basically just, essentially, I think that what Denis is doing is he's kind of putting it on the audience to kind of fill in the blanks. Why is House Atreides a threat to the Emperor? Okay, maybe House Atreides is very, is extremely powerful as far as like, because I there, there are other details about it. There are other things about like how House Atreides is like this very, um... Like, Leto is supposed to be, like, this very, like, enticing uh, presence within within the world of Dune, and he essentially is gaining favor over the king, or over, like, the head of the Imperium uh, in the world of Dune and whatever, whatever. But, like, I just took it as, okay, 
he's seen as a threat to the king because obviously his house in some way is the most powerful. And there are things that, that lead to that being the case. Like things like the um the amount of, I guess, importance they place on like Duncan Idaho and Gurney Halleck and some of the other characters that are involved in the story. Um, even when you talk about like what the case with like the doctor, okay, the doctor has a diamond on his head because he is deemed to be so of such great regard that he could care for the king. Wouldn't that wouldn't that scream that Leto is very important if he can have a doctor like that on his team? Yeah, but you don't know that. They never once said that. But, but what I'm saying and... is that is that is that I was perfectly fine with with the implication of that because even even the case with uh with what's his name the head the head is implication but that's what i'm saying i i've read an implication that's what you did i just saw a diamond on his head i just thought he's like you know that's his religious belief you know that could have been anything it could have been anything because every time every time they introduced a character at some point they would talk about like how great this character is they're talking about oh the great duncan idaho the great gurney halleck the great fucking the the head of the security guy who like tried to resign and then like leto is like no you're like the best of whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like, I, I, like, I just took it, took it I as I thought like it the was just like the, that, that posh almost thing. Almost everyone that he works, I, I just took it like everyone he works with is, is in some way in high regard. And so, and so that to me suggested that he held some sort of power that was threatening to the head of the Imperium. I know. It just, it, when you bring up those points, it just sounds like, like, you know. Uh, like of that world. Like you just, you would refer to me like, oh, the great Duncan Idaho, the great. Journey. like it just sounds like like lang- like language that doesn't necessarily implicate it like it just feels like um what's it called um like hyperbole that's just what it felt like to me i didn't it, i didn't take it as an implication as like oh they're the best of the best like of course you're going to say that by your own people like that's your bodyguard you would hope he's the best of the best but like uh, obviously we've seen the movie he's not because he fucking dies and he lets, he lets everyone else die well, see that, but that, what I'm saying is that, like, I took took that as the implication, being someone who's seen a lot of fantasy and things like that, and so, like, I personally was fine with ki- with kind of just filling in those blanks myself. I, I didn't really. I feel like, as far as Dune is concerned, it's such a dense story that, like, a lot of those details, I'm perfectly fine with leaving those details out, if ultimately that detail wouldn't really do anything for the storytelling or the plot. Fair. And so, like, I was perfectly fine with filling in those blanks. I can, like, I get it, but, like, I just I just was fine with, with just, like, being like, okay, he is a threat to the king because whatever, whatever. His team seems like it's so great. Okay, he's a threat. Cool. Um, now, the next point you made was about Timothy Chalamet, or one of your points was about how Paul Atreides, as played by Timothy Chalamet, because we keep on talking about Timothy, um, he doesn't change i disagree and what i, I think it's well i think that his change is subtle but i think but i think that ultimately his change is there and i think that and this is also feeding into the visions as well because that was another thing you brought up so the whole reason why the stuff is happening the way it's happening is is about paul and specifically about how paul is having these visions that in a sense are calling him to his i guess ultimate end and so as the story progresses his character when we first meet him uh first off and i mean this is this is a visual thing but first off when we first meet paul he is because timothy is 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 like this he's skinny as fuck i don't know i i took it as like that was kind of a directorial choice like okay first thing we see of uh paul he's going to be shirtless waking up in bed 
and he is lanky and tiny and just like okay um showing that like almost he lacks a certain amount of (laughs) i felt like there was more um i guess purpose to it like to show that he is in a sense a, a kid or like rather he just doesn't hold a certain amount of power he's not imposing he's not threatening he just is like he's there it's paul and so and then immediately after that we're introduced to lady jessica and they're eating breakfast and she has him use the voice which we mentioned it before basically in this film the voice as brandon put it it is very similar to like jedi mind tricks i guess where essentially you can use this voice as a commanding like like you can basically tell people what to do by using the voice um and this is a quick side note this is about the sound design again whenever the voice was used fucking brilliant fucking brilliant literally you'd feel it like especially in an imax theater with the sound system like you feel when the voice is like it's just so it's very the way they play is like it's very loud it's very like unsettling and it's just like you you immediately just like feel this voice just like you you get it like he he puts you in 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 that space i didn't feel anything when the voice came that i find that shocking but anyway um so essentially paul is trying to use the voice and he's failing miserably he can't do it then um as the story progresses he is he brings up to duke leto in one scene that like like what if he isn't like the next of kin for the house of Trades? and oscar isaac leto just basically says like um no matter what you'll always be what what i need you to be which is my son and so you you see that he already has these doubts about who he's going to become um also on top of that i think what's really interesting about his character is that essentially he doesn't really know who he is. He doesn't know, like, like he doesn't have a a specific personhood, I guess you could say. But, like, people are putting their expectations on him. He is expected to be the this Bene Jesuit, like, fucking messiah. He's expected to be the next of kin for House Atreides. He's expected to be this, that, and the other. And what I think is interesting is that it's a very interesting subversion of that, considering that this is a chosen one narrative. It's a very interesting subversion to have him be someone who doesn't even want any of that and just wants to be Paul. And I think that's very interesting. And like as his character progresses throughout the film, he also has the visions, which there are a few different things that could that can go into what the visions are. Part of it, I think, is the Bene Jesuit situation, but the other part of it is I think that the spice, which it which we mentioned acts as like hallucin- in a hallucinogenic for a lot of people, or for most people um is kind of heightening those visions and as he has these visions throughout the film they get more and more specific and more and more um like things start to come true from his visions so for example throughout the film so zendaya isn't really in this film she's really only in the film for like maybe like 15 minutes like you said seven (laughs) i think that's her total screen time actually well yes but she is a she is a very very prominent presence in his visions and anytime he has a vision of zendaya uh shani is her name or chani um he is presented with with a vision of a war and specifically um it's described in the book as a holy war but in the film in the in the context of the film it's just shown as kind of like a war where he is becoming essentially not only a like a ruler over not only a ruler over the entirety of this imperium but also a, a messiah to all these people they constantly use words like the um 
oh, what was the word again? It was like El, something El Gaib, something like that. The the um, there's a lot of different terms that are used in this movie, and honestly, um, Benedict was the only one that stuck for me. But regardless, they use a bunch of terms to describe him as being the next Messiah, as being the one who is of the prophecy, and his visions are really pushing him towards that towards that i guess destiny and so when you say like oh well why is he go- why is um he so adamant on staying on arrakis that's why the visions are telling him this is where my journey is going to lead me and this is the way i'm going to go this is the path i'm going to take despite the fact that he doesn't want it it's it, it's as if seeing chani specifically at the end of the film reinforced maybe this is my path this is who i'm supposed to be and this is what I'm going to be, as opposed to doing what his mother tells him, Lady Jessica, which is we need to go back to Caladan. He's like, no, I'm going to do what my visions are telling me to do. And this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So when you say why this stuff is happening, that is why I, I, I really didn't understand that question. <laughs> well, no, it's more so like from the big, from the get go. It's more so why did he want to Why did he want to go on the planet? Is that's what I was originally like. Posing. Well, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He went straight up to his dad, and he's like, I want to go. I want to go with Duncan. He wants to go with Duncan. Well, wait, sorry, I might be getting something mixed up, because I am thinking of the part where he goes, as everyone's leaving Caladan, and is heading for Arrakis, he goes, and and I thought this was a really interesting, like, little thing. He goes over and touches the water uh, on on their planet, and then, like, walks around for a bit, and then they head off to, to Arrakis. And that was kind of showing, like, like this is the last time he's basically going to see water in abundance like this. Because they're going to be on Arrakis for however long, probably years. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe I, I'm getting it mixed up. Um, but I thought that he didn't want to go, but maybe but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's something I have to rewatch no, there's because definitely, I'm probably forgetting. There's definitely, I remember this. He was just like, I want to go with you. And then Duncan's just like, nah, can't. Mm, okay. All right. It was during the, yeah, the, because, the, the like landing bay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I remember because he because he has the vision that of Duncan with the Freeman, right? That it was that part when they're talking in the in the hangar. Yeah, they were talking in the hangar. Yeah, and then he was saying that like he's been having dreams and like all this other stuff, and then he mentions that he had see he had seen a vision of Duncan with the Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I got you. Well, I I just took it as like his character throughout. So even if he does want to go, I basically just took it as like because he's been having the vision since the jump of the film, and so the visions are basically pointing him towards the direction of going to Arrakis and finding his his destiny essentially, um, which is kind of what's driving his character. And I think that with that where his arc comes into play is the fact that again he has all these expectations put upon him by his dad and his mother. Um, two different expectations, but expectations nonetheless. And he's saying, "No, fuck that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go along with my destiny on Arrakis. I'm going to be one with the Freeman. I'm going to follow essentially Chani into this new this world of opportunity that apparently awaits me." Yeah, you motivate, but even like with that reasoning, I didn't get any sense of motivation or urgency behind it, other than like mm-hmm. I. I guess his personhood or his individuality, you could say, like as to like what his journey is setting him out on. But like, again, maybe it's just, again, I'm not getting that emotional connection or I'm not getting that, like that feeling that I should care 
he's on this mm. journey. And it didn't really feel like a journey, to be honest, either. It just felt like things were happening. And, like, yes, there's a lot of movies. This is this movie, or I shouldn't say this movie, but the source material that it's referencing from Dune was the inspiration for all of these um, chosen one narratives, like Star Wars with Luke yes. Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker, and so many other, like, stories and movies to follow like this is the beginning point essentially or at least the most popular one to that you could say inspired so many others and i understand there's a lot there's a lot chosen one narratives but for this one in particularly it just didn't there didn't feel like i should care about him or i didn't feel like i should be as involved in his story um and i think where they try to make him a blank slate they made him feel like a brick wall <laughs> where there's just no emotional feeling behind it. And like, there wasn't much on his part to feel like I should be relating to him or I could see myself in him or I could at least relate to him in any way. It just more felt like he had to go on a journey because uh, visions kind of went in that direction. And like, yeah, there's that back, like, that backing to it where it's oh well i don't really know where i belong it's like I, you forget about that as soon as you get on arrakis like because once uh leto dies and like once everyone else dies that around him that is kind of important to him you don't you kind of forget about them as much as they are quote unquote important and even then even then like i think i brought this up before in the um the non-spoiler section where it's like they try to highlight characters they don't they kind of it kind of fall on a like on a flat note for me like journeys like i kind of i didn't even remember if he died or when he died i don't think saw his on-screen death but even then i kind of uh, just who? forgot about sorry you said gurney right gurney yeah um he just kind of he just kind of evaporates in the narrative and so I care about him and according then to a lot of according to a lot of podcasts i said and spoiler alert spoiler alert um if you don't see them die, they're not dead. I mean, I figured as much that he's just going to come back somehow. But and, and, you know, even with Duncan Idaho, with the only character that was likable, at least in my opinion, and I say that kind of loosely because, again, even his character is just like, I was just more so rooting for him more than anything. It's not so like that I connected with him. But still, during his very last battle scene, uh, yeah, that was, it was just wet. He evaporated into the the story and we moved on. It's, yep, he died. Goodbye. He he did. He's just purpose. Like they try to highlight him as like, oh yes, he's the best warrior that he will do anything. Even as he has a sword stabbed through his abdomen, pulls it out and continues to fighting the um their Harkonnen. Like yeah, they're trying to portray he's a badass and like yeah, cool. But again, I don't care. <laughs> I still think I did care because I, I think that what specifically, so the, the fight, the scene where Duncan Idaho dies, I think um, is interesting because I think that what I was found really interesting about the scene is that like, well, not specifically that scene, but just Duncan Idaho's character as a whole is that I think that his character really acted as kind of like a bridge between the uh, house of treaties and the Freeman because he spent months with the Freeman, uh, when they meet Stilgar, like they, they meet Stilgar and Stilgar is like friendly to, um, Duncan, but then, uh, to house of treaties, he's like, fuck you, just get off our planet. 
And like, I think that that's kind of where his importance is. He he is kind of acting as this liaison between the Freeman and House Atreides. And so not only is his death resonant because in a sense that bridge is gone, but two, I think that what makes, what makes that character interesting is his connection to Paul. You see the way that Paul interacts with, um, you see the way that Paul interacts with Duncan versus Gurney versus Lady Jessica versus Leto. He he has a very different demeanor when it comes to Duncan. And I, I found that really, really interesting because it shows that Duncan, in a sense, is his best friend, essentially. And so in that moment, in the inciting incident, because it's ultimately this whole film is just the inciting incident of what Dune is. Um, like it resonated with me because it was like, okay, your best friend is now sacrificing himself. So that way you can get away, you know? I, I mean, I hear that. I just never saw that. And I never felt that. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. There's just, there's just major disconnects in this movie that I just don't relate to. And I just don't, I'm just not, I never wasn't invested in and I never was drawn into and I think that's kind of just where I'm at with this movie is that I really want I, I really want to like it. The more I try to f- find reasons to like it, like it, it's more like why don't I like it? And I wait good. Like it, it's not like I'm trying to hate this movie, and it's not like I. It's like I genuinely have problems with it, and I genuinely just don't see what the appeal is that you see in it, or what everyone else technically is like. Both reviews and friends that's on the movie with. Well, I also, so I'm trying to think of what, what the other points you made were prior to, because um, I, I kind of wanted, because there was one in particular that I wanted to unpack, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. Uh, there's powers. Uh, why should I care? Why, why did he want to go to the planet? Just on that. It's not friendly to people who were not already, like, Dune people, I guess you could say. People who knew uh, about Dune. And then I had Paul okay. is whiny, no changes, and then too many visions need to cut out from the film. Okay, so I covered most of those. I think the other part was the powers. I was going to say, um, I find it interesting that that was a hang-up for you, uh, because for me, I was just kind of like, okay, we're well, in a galaxy far, far away with a bunch of people going to a fucking planet full of giant sandworms. I think I can suspend my disbelief. So it's not so much that. It's just more so just like... I don't, it's it's just more so there's, I think I was just trying to bring up a point that this movie just has a lot of things that are presented that just go unexplained. And yes, I can just take that at face value and sure it's fine. But like, again, maybe it's just my understanding of how this movie was like turned at me. I kind of took it as either like a Star Trek or just like another like sci-fi movie where it's, it's like we're on a different planet kind of thing. Uh, and it's, again, it's not, because there's powers that I don't like it or just that it wasn't explained that I don't like it. It's more so like it's presenting things that I felt like should have been explained or is like, is there a part of this world that I don't know about? I feel like I'm missing parts of this world. Like there's just like, again, I know there's so much from the original book and from other uh, sources, like the, the sci-fi miniseries, the other uh, movie by um, David Lynch. Like there's other things that I mean, obviously, it all comes from the original book, but still, like I just felt like there should have been, not that there should have been at least there should have been some type of inkling as to what certain things happened or how 
uh, certain uh, things led to one another most. Like, again, it's like the, the overall arching problem for me is that there's just so much left, uh, like almost untouched or almost like, I don't know how to, to put it other than, yeah, just untouched or just like not easily digestible. And maybe that's my problem. Maybe I'm just a dumb dumb. Maybe I just need things to be easy to digest. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. I'm kidding. Um, no. <laughs> I'm going no, I, the, <laughs> Well, see, I, I think that, like, um, so I, I think that, once again, like, maybe this movie wouldn't work for me if it was presented like a Star Wars, because I, I did, um, you were actually showing showing me and a few other people, like, uh, these comments from people who didn't like the movie before, um, and I found them uh, interesting, to say the least, because I think that uh, one comment to me suggested the person really wanted a Star Wars movie. Um, no, they, they wanted the opposite. They said that Dune was trying to be a Star Wars, but failed. But that's but what I'm saying. Is, what I'm saying is that this isn't a Star Wars movie. <laughs> is, is my, is my and point. I know, but that's what. So that's what they're saying, though, is that like it wanted to be a Star Wars because you know Warner Brothers like this next, the next big epic, the next big saga or franchise, like for movies, like that's what it was trying to be. Well, and they're saying it didn't work out that way. Well, no, because I think that that is completely incorrect to the to the making of this film, for a few reasons. One. If this was going to be, if this was Warner Brothers going, this is going to be the next big epic, they would have greenlit part two. They did. No, they did it just recently. They would have greenlit it back when they greenlit part one. They would have been like Disney and been like, we're making a whole new trilogy. They didn't do that. Um, and two. But Disney has Disney money. They can just do that. Yeah, and Warner Brothers has Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers is not poor. This <laughs> <laughs> is not broke. Excuse me? I mean, <laughs> you don't have Disney money, though. They still have Harry Potter money. Yo, and Harry, it's been 10 years. <laughs> Harry Potter needs to chill. Oh, my God. Well, either way, um, so, yeah, the, the fact that they would have greenlit something earlier, like, to, to add to the world of Doom, but they didn't do that. They were just basically looking at this as, like, okay, this is a one-and-done thing. We'll see how it performs, and then we'll decide what we're going to do next. Which one is smarter overall? But two, um, it'd be smarter if they didn't to my label point it part of, like, one. This isn't, but but this goes back to my point of like this is not an epic made for studio greed. This is an epic made by a filmmaker, made by someone who had a clear vision, and that to me goes a long way. Because if this was present, presented like a Star Wars, if this was trying to be a Star Wars, which I would argue it is not by any means, if it was trying to be a Star Wars, then the movie would be would be a piece of shit and I, and, and nearly unwatchable. And yeah. I think that this, I don't think that that's the case with this film. I think that this film's trying to be its own thing. It's trying to do something different with a source material that is that ultimately inspired so many other pieces of work. And I think that it says a lot that people are responding so positively to a film that could easily be de described as derivative by some people, a la that comment. I mean, his vision was as clear as Stevie Wonders. That's fucked up. That was fucked up. What, what the? That was fucked up. How? How dare you? That was fucked up. Oh my god! I, to who? Stevie or to Denis? Both. <laughs> oh my god. So, so like, I guess I have to ask, like, 
So did you not? So I guess what were your feelings during the coup? I guess because that that's the inciting incident for the story. Uh, when House Harkonnen, uh, finally basically goes about their attack on House Atreides. On Arrakis. It's a coup. That's what I felt. Just felt like I'm just seeing what it is. I didn't. Again, I'm not. There was nothing they took away from it. I felt nothing there. There was nothing from this that I was like, "Oh no, what are we going to do now?" Like I just like it. Just felt like any other like. Again, maybe it's because I we again. I've also watched a lot of fantasy stuff. I've also watched a lot of other like media's in which there's been coups or uprising against a certain group of people or a certain house or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, okay, this is the next logical step this, to do. Like, yep, there's going to be this moment of Paul's life where he goes out with one other person who survives, this being his mother, Jessica, that bitch. Um, and uh, they just have to make it on their own until X, Y, or Z happens, that being the Freeman, and then if you know surviving i don't know it just felt like that everything felt like it fell into place but in the sense that it like it followed a sequence that i knew was going to happen the movie felt predictable in that sense and there was no like i didn't care like oscar isaac dying his character leto i was like okay yep kind of had to happen he's and yeah just felt nothing there's like it was like yep so, um, so, okay, so you felt nothing from, from the coup, nothing from, like, the sandworm sequences? That, that too, like, I thought I would have cared, because I'm, I'm into, like, monster stuff, and, like, to, like, things of, uh, I would say, like, animal, animal, like, related things, or just, like, beasts that are of things you should be wary of, or, yeah, th- things of that nature. Yeah, I think I didn't get anything from Worms either. See, I, I think it so would have I been think... cooler. I don't know if that's the word. Or more interesting. More more have would have piqued my interest more. It's I don't know what they could have done actually. I don't know what they could have done with the worms. That would have been like more interesting. But they didn't feel real threat I get like because like I understand why they're threatening. Like there's a, there's that one sequence like in the beginning of the film where it's like literally there's this giant worm that eats an entire like station. I guess that's what you can call it. I don't really know what it was, but it, 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 it ate the, like a mining rover. Um, yeah, so it ate the whole mining rig, and they all had to escape and be like, "Oh no, the worm!" And it's like, "Oh, so yeah, the scale it's there, and like the threat is real." You can't really walk around. Oh, that's another thing. All the stupid movements they did to like get around on. Okay, all right. Arrakis be like, okay, in order to not get detected by the worm, you gotta be a worm, and then they start like freaking ice skiing on the sand with their freaking shoes. Uh, okay, yeah. it's not being a worm; it's being the sand. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I agree that that those movies are kind of dumb. But honestly, within the, within this world and considering like what was going on, I was perfectly fine with it. Like, I, I just let that go. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I let go too, but it's just like when I was already in the, the zone of not being in the moment, I just, I nitpicked every single thing that I didn't like. Oh my God. See, I just, I just find it really fascinating that you got nothing out of this movie. 
I, I, I nothing I think... was new. And I'm not asking for movies to be new. Believe me, uh, like 90, 90% of Hollywood movies are all recycled movies to some degree. Like, I understand that. Like, I'm not asking for new. But there is nothing there that presented as itself as being this grand epic new thing that everyone's being like, it's never been done before. It's just like, these are like the same graphics. These are the same special effects that I've seen in oh, I a few other movies. Like, yes, oh, it's I cool, disagree. but what's new? I They don't seem any more lifelike to me. This doesn't seem like I... a more believable planet that we're on. Like, it just, so... it feels the same. So when you when you talk about the technical presentation, I wholeheartedly disagree on almost every level. And I find it fascinating that like because even if you don't like the movie, I I struggle to understand how you look at a movie a movie of this scale and just say like it it's fine. Like as far as far as the technical presentation, not 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 the story, just the technical presentation. I I find it very very I guess difficult for me to wrap my head around the idea of just saying it's it, it's fine. Well, I have to ask you the same question back. What do you see about it that's of like of a spectacle? What's so spectacular well, about it? Well, I think that and, and keeping in mind that as far as like big budget blockbuster spectacles like this, um, again, all of them kind of have a samey look to them. So, like, I think specifically Marvel is the best example of this because they're kind of the the biggest of like the big budget spectacle films, I, I guess you could say. Um, and that's not to say that, that there isn't any merit in Marvel movies, but for me, they're just kind of, again, they, they feel the same a lot of the time. Um, and I think a big reason for that is because like the fact that Dune and so comparing Dune to let's say Avengers Endgame, because they both have a very similar budget. I believe Dune is a little bit cheaper by maybe about like a couple, a couple, like maybe like 50 million, but they're, they're about the same uh, budget wise. Avengers Endgame to me has this this glossy, very like bright like fakeness to it. Like the visuals feel fake, and they don't they don't pop, they don't come to life. And there are some there are some special effects here and there in Marvel movies that like do do like pop. And there are definitely like images from Marvel movies that would say like, "Ooh, that was beautiful," and that was that was pretty. But like for the most part, every time I see a Marvel movie, they always have like this glossy sheen of just fake. And in, in the case of Dune, it felt natural to the point in which a lot of the visual effects, not all, but most of the visual effects to me look so real. Like the, I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, the or the orthopters, the orthopters looked, I think, amazing. Like they, they had a weight to them that felt real. There was a, a scene towards the beginning of the movie when um, the Imperium first comes to Caladan to meet with Duke Leto and the rest of House Atreides and they're in this giant like white orb of a ship that that was very arrival-esque in the sense that the visual is just it, the the ship is gigantic and it's it's so big that it feels like it's not even supposed to be airborne but it doesn't feel fake it feels like it has a weight to it and it feels just so grand almost every level and then on top of that I think that what helps the visual so much is also the sound design and the score and I think that Hans Zimmer, I think this is the best score he's done in at least 10 years. Um, some would say probably since Interstellar. I would argue since Inception. I, I, I found his score to be so well done. From the minute the movie starts to the minute the movie ends, like, it just felt so epic just in its, in its visual presentation 
Um, and I don't think many big budget films do that anymore. I think that even Christopher Nolan, like, like I really like Tenet a lot. But the thing about Tenet is that, like, the the epic scale of Tenet is basically very grounded because it's essentially just a bunch of people running around with guns, but sometimes they're running backwards. Um, and then, like, going back to Interstellar, um, Interstellar is probably the closest thing to this for me, where it's like, where it's like there is an epic scale and a weight to everything that's being placed on screen that 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 adds to the experience of watching it. Um, and it doesn't have that that sheen of just fake. It doesn't. It's not there. It, it actually looks like real in in a, in a way that that was effective, in my opinion. And so, like when. Because I remember you said that like that like the movie you mentioned at one point the movie did the bare minimum and I legit was like the bare minimum yeah I said what this it is the bare minimum like this is this is above and beyond the bare minimum is fucking Black Widow <laughs> no this is a bare minimum uh, in the sense that <clears throat> it's a movie uh, you know what's a movie I guess it has characters and a plot and there's visuals and music that's the bare minimum. Did I say it was good? But, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, like that to me is not the bare minimum. Because even if even if a film, even if it was a film I didn't like, like what's an example of a, of a big budget movie I don't like? I don't know. What's a? Oh, I thought I thought you'd be able to answer that question because I feel like I talk about all, a bunch of like. Oh, big budget I know what it is. The favorite. <sighs> okay, so audiences, if you don't know, Brandon hates the favorite. I do um, that movie. I some... will actively always hate. I I rewatched. Maybe it. at some point. We might do an episode on it because honestly, I have thoughts, but we'll we'll get there when we get yeah, there. Yeah, we should we should just say movies we hate. <laughs> honestly, at some point, I'd be down. I'd be down for that. Like, we'll make that a thing. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just very strange to me that you would say it's the bare minimum because I think well, that look, the bare isn't minimum isn't, to... that, isn't that the bare minimum though to make a movie? You need a camera crew, an actor, and some music, and there you go. You filmed the movie. Like, that's, yeah, but making that's the bare film... minimum. <laughs> But making a whole experience is not the bare minimum. Like as much as I as I agree that Avatar is basically a pointless, um, stupid ass film with like no like the plot isn't good. Nothing about that movie is really like good necessarily. But like the the amount of effort that went into the visual effects and the presentation, that's not the bare minimum to me. The bare minimum is like is whack-ass cinematography with whack-ass sound design and whack-ass actors doing whack-ass things with a whack-ass script. Nothing about this movie is whack. Uh, sir. The plot Nothing about this movie whack. is whack. Even, even if, okay, so I'll concede. Let's say, let's say I, would, I were to agree that the script is whack. I don't. But let's say I agree that the script is bad. The visual presentation alone makes it not the bare minimum. Okay, so you're basically saying that you did your homework and that you tried. I feel like it's the bare minimum. <laughs> but but I think that I think that we're prioritizing two separate things here, though, because it sounds like what you're you're prioritizing us like the plot. You're I prioritizing I, yeah. the story. Well, because you're saying the bare you minimum is, is still the visual presentation. What are you What are you watching for then? If it's not for the story, I'm not just watching it to see pictures move on a screen. I think I can I can agree that a movie that is strictly visual with no story is bad. Um, there are some that I really don't like. The Green Knight being one of them. I know that's a hot take, but I really did not the green, did not like the Green Knight. But, um, but even with that being said, even if this script was bad, which I don't think it's a bad script, I think it's it's 
it's I don't even want to say it's bare because it's so it's so dense. Uh, like the script, even if you were to say that the script is not really the strongest element of this film, it's not. The whole for me is what's important. Like even if the script isn't that great, can I appreciate other things about the film? And in this case, yes, one hundred percent, I can. Because like even when I watch something like Titanic. I am not the biggest fan of Titanic. I don't think it's a bad movie, but like I do definitely think that that movie, script-wise, is ridiculous. Uh, I'm rich, so I'm gonna kill myself. Oh, oh my God, I'm falling in love with this guy named Jack who I met like two days ago. Oh no, he's dead. Spoilers: I haven't seen that movie. Boo hoo! Oh my God, it's been it's been twenty years. Thirty? No, yeah, it's been twenty years. Sorry, that mattered me. Twenty-five years almost. But yeah. I but I think that like but I think that like uh in the case of like Dune I I don't think this is the bare minimum by any means. And like I just oh sorry, I didn't even finish my Titanic analogy. I'm sorry, I'm so all over the place. No, here. no, you're done with but the Titanic. <laughs> like, I can still but no, with Titanic I can still appreciate like the 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 set design the costumes, the acting. Like I can still I can still appreciate a lot of other things that are going on in the film. But in the case so in the case of Dune, like even if I was to say the script is bad, which I don't think it's bad by any means. I think it's a pretty good script considering. They the presentation around it didn't need to go this hard and they went that hard and I appreciate that 100%. So I guess what I it kind of goes against what it's down for me is that yes, it has all those things, but I guess subjectively for me, it didn't do anything that I liked. I wouldn't say I didn't like, but just like I didn't care for. Like you're saying how there's weight and there's realism or there's a certain realistic quality to the um the CGI or like just this, the spectacles of that. I've been saying spectacles a lot. But anyway, the like the basically the weight behind the imagery that we've been seeing. I didn't feel that. I didn't get that. I never felt like it was something. I was like, wow, this this is taking me away. This is like, this is what cinema should be going for. This is what every movie should be striving for, going forward, making the movies look and feel as believable as possible. And never felt like it was any more believable than like Avengers Endgame was your comparison. It didn't feel any more real. It didn't feel any more fake. It just was what it was. And maybe this is coming from someone who has a video game background where like I play video games. Um, well, yeah, no doubt. Uh, but I play like a lot of video games, whether it be AAA titles from like big studios such as Naughty Dog, uh, who are doing who made the Uncharted series, which uh shout out to Tom Holland being Uncharted, uh please get recasted. Anywho, uh where those games, yes, they strive for realism. They and you feel the way because i mean maybe for me it's because like it feels more tactile because i'm playing those games like the last of us uncharted um even like games such as like probably like uh fallout new vegas or uh things like that there's just there's weight behind it um for the time being so like fallout vegas is an older game but during during that time it felt very real felt very like lifelike but then as you get into these newer like generation games um the graphics improve so much that I'm just like, wow, this is almost realistic. Like I might, like if I, if I catch it at a quick glance, I might think that's a real person. Like, and so maybe that's where my bar is at, where it's like, I've was literally in the world of that medium. And now I'm comparing it to a movie where it's like, I kind of divorced myself where I know that I'm a, 
spectator now. I know I'm watching something as opposed to feeling like I'm actually fully invested in it. Um, so for me, there's just not that gravitas that comes with this, um, the imagery that's being presented in Dune. And the music, yes, I, I agree with you. I And again, so everything that you said, like about the movie being appreciated as a whole, I think I can appreciate it as a whole. I'm like biting my tongue a little bit as I say that, where it's like, I appreciate the music. I do appreciate the graphics. Like, it didn't look like a bad movie. By no means am I saying that Dune looks like, like looks bad. Like, it is good. Like, like do you want it to look like the Incredible Bulk? <laughs> no, I don't want it to look like that. And I'm not saying it looks like that. I'm just saying, for me, it didn't change anything. And it didn't, it wasn't, it doesn't feel new. And it doesn't feel like it'll be revolutionary for movies going forward. Like, for you, you're, you're basically making it sound like this is the, um, the level that movie should be on now or maybe not should be, but like what the, uh, what we can be, I guess is more so what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, that's where I am on it. Like, I, I, I think that like, I do think that Denis did something really, uh, I keep on saying he did something really interesting here, but I think he did. Like, I, I, I really think that this is an achievement in filmmaking. And I think that he's been doing achievements in filmmaking since, Basically, maybe Sicario. I like Sicario a lot, but really, it doesn't start until Arrival. Like well, yeah, the triple so, threat of Arrival, Blade Runner, and then this. I think is what like really. Go ahead. I was going to say I think, but even then, I think Arrival does that does so much better. And yes, I think we can both agree that I think Arrival is the better movie compared to Dune. Um, but like obviously, the graphics in Arrival aren't any better. Probably they're probably technically worse than Dune because it doesn't have as big of a budget. But I felt the weight that you're talking about there, Daryl, with the septopods, as I did with like like it felt like that impact that you're saying. Like we were when we saw the movie in theaters, like in that giant ship arrived. That's that's the feeling. The feeling that you felt is what I felt when we watched Arrival. And obviously, it doesn't have as good as um, you know, designer graphics as a uh, as Dune. So, yeah. Well, I, I think that in the case of Arrival, I think what, what makes that movie work so well is that, because I would agree that I think the visual effects on the actual spaceship is really good. Um, the heptapods are f- solid. Like, they're not bad. They're, they're solid, like, as far as CGI goes. I think that where the CGI really starts to show, like, it seems, is the scene where Amy Adams goes into the, 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 the room with the heptapods. Not not the not the big room with the glass. The uh, like she actually goes into the thing with um with Costello. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and like you see her hair, and it's like you know, it just doesn't really look great. But um, yeah, but that doesn't. Take I think me that the is that like though. I do think Arrival is the better film because it has an emotional gut punch to it that this film just doesn't have. Part of it is again because it's a part one, but the other part of it is just that like it's. This movie, I would argue, is a lot more like cold than Arrival is. Um, there is a warmth that specifically comes from Amy Adams' performance that I think is, um, and because she's like the central character, that 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 really comes through. In the case of Dune, like the warmest character, like I said before, is probably Lady Jessica, but she's not the lead. And so, like, I think that I think that that in some ways could maybe hurt the film a little bit. But I I still connected to it, and I was still in, interested in what was going on enough to want to see what happens next because like i will i will agree that like emotionally that isn't the most 
fulfilling film out there. It, it just it just isn't. But I think that like everything else in in tandem with the story and the way that that the characters are are going had me invested. Yeah, I, I think we've come to the point where it's just like we're kind of repeating ourselves. Yeah, and it's just it's just a subjective matter at this point. I I I'll, probably yeah. will I will rewatch the movie. I'll give it an, I because I want to like it. I'll give it another shot. Obviously, I'm I'm not going to watch it in IMAX again. I, I'm not going to spend the money on that. I might. I know you will. I won't. I'll probably get like a <laughs> HBO Max like trial. I'll get my surround sound downstairs going. I'll, I'll be in a bootleg IMAX in my basement. And I just watch you like the movie more. Yeah, I'm just like, wow. You actually like the movie? <laughs> I'm just by myself. You know what the problem was? It's just all these damn people in the theater. Oh my god. They just crowd my space. And then we upload a new episode, and it's just you going, so everyone, um, I take back what I said before. Dune is a masterpiece. Yes, it's now a 6 out of 10 really instead funny. of a 5 out of That'd 10. That'd be really funny. Uh, wait, I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> just moves up one point. It's a 6 out of 10 now. <laughs> I, hate, I hate it. I hate it. Well, yeah, like I said before, it, this is an 8 out of 10 for me. Um, loved it. I'm keep at a 5. Mm. Yeah. Oh, also, we didn't even we didn't even mention the we didn't really even go into the Gom Jabar scene, which I mean, we could just say real quick, loved it. <laughs> forgettable. Why was that forgettable to you? Because I, I actually I actually forget it. <laughs> oh my god, it's the scene with the with the pain box and the poison. Oh needle. yeah, it's so forgettable. Even if I'm remembering. Oh my god. Oh my god. The oh my god. Just more Timothy uh. crying and shrieking. Blah blah blah. Well, I thought he was fantastic in that scene. He's so good. That's like the only time he actually emotes. Besides his other time where he just yells at his mom, where he's like, "Get off me!" Well, I was about to say you just you just completely disregard the tent scene. Yeah, I kind of do. He's just kind of hallucinating the whole time, and then gets out of the. Yeah. Anywho, it will be five out of ten. Go watch it if you want. I'm not going to tell you not to. I hope you enjoy it. I did not. <laughs> and with that, thank you for listening to the Brandon and Daryl Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I was not ready. I was not ready. If you enjoyed, please remember to give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all those things. Um, same at it's at the BD Pod or the Brandon and Daryl Experience on Facebook. Uh, you can like and subscribe on our YouTube channel and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. With that I'm Brandon and I'm Daryl. And we will talk to you guys later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Go watch the movie. Zendaya, don't hate me. Zendaya, don't hate me. I hope they both hate you. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we meet them later on somehow. Like, I heard your podcast. Oh, my God. Like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Not Zendaya listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs>